welcome to a new episode of the Skeptically Inclined Science Podcast. I'm your co-host Evan. And I'm your co-host Tom. Hello. Uh, and welcome. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to get into the, the new vaccine news that's been released by Pfizer and BioNTech. What was being said, what hasn't been said yet. So uh, yeah, we're ex- it's an exciting podcast because I think this has been on all over the news recently. So yeah, um, I think we're going to get into it and see what's been discussed. Um, Is it worth taking it? Exactly. Uh, and what are, what are you going to talk about today, Tom? So my main story is about whether we are ready and we know how to use stem cells in regenerative dentistry. So basically, can we grow a teeth and can we use it uh, in, in, the, in place of um, implants? And uh, what has been already done? And uh, yeah, pretty m- so a little bit, a lot about dentistry today yeah. because I want to have 32 teeth. So that's why. This story holds a lot of to your heart, Tom, doesn't it? It does, it does. I'm sick of waiting for my implant and I want to grow teeth. That's it. That's <laughs> what it's at. Yeah, you've you've been waiting a while, I think. But we can get into that maybe when we get to yeah. the the news. Yeah. Um yeah, so uh before we get into our headlines again, um how are you how are you keeping Tom? How is the spirits? I'm managing? very happy. I'm very happy, Evan. Thank you for asking. That's we good. just we just coming off uh, a great day for Poland. <laughs> the um 11th of uh, November, the Independence Day. Um, loads of uh, neo-Nazis on the streets, so the <laughs> the usual. Uh, well, but it, it's a great patriotic holiday. It's sad to see that it's being skewed towards these brainless by these brainless. So you're being so you're being sarcastic when you say you're happy. No, no, I am happy. <laughs> it is. I'm. I'm happy. My it's my mom's birthday today. So oh, sh- shout out to your, to Tom's mom. Shout out to the big J. She gave the bird to me the greatest thing that ever happened to her greatest thing to ever happen in the world as well <laughs> how yeah. are you evan yeah i'm good i'm good um it's a pretty uh depressing day here at the moment with the rain um but i'm pretty excited about there seems to be a lot of good news uh happened this week especially in science uh and we finally found out who the new president of the u.s is going to be so tom has to pay up for to me and john this um so i think yeah it's kind of good uh it's, i think it's a bit been, been a bit an optimistic uh week or so that since the last episode i'm uh i'm still really annoyed i'm really looking because f- the, at the moment the gyms are closed here as well and it's kind of i wish i could have i because it's so dark when i come home i think everyone is feeling this is like you want to do exercise but then there's no incentive now because you can't go to the gym it's too dark to nearly go out and do exercise yeah. so i'm I'm doing running i'm doing 5ks are you actually well i do i'm trying to do it like one or two di- times a, a week um i'm not doing great times like maybe just under 30 minutes well it's still um, nice to get out yeah well you were doing 5ks in the summer as well i was but then i stopped I just got to the point when I was looking too good for myself and I just had, I had to just bring the levels down. You were, you were too, you were looking out for other men. You didn't want to overshadow them. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I was if, just, did you ever have this problem? Uh, I, I've had this and John can, 
uh, resident. He's been hearing me every time. Every time now, I've gone for a run, and I I'm fine where I'm going. And then I ha- I'm like halfway through the run. I'm like I need to go to the toilet. I need to go for uh. I need to drop the kids off the pool. If you know what I mean. <laughs> so disgusting. <laughs> You're so vile. What? That's like that's the nice way to say it. What are you doing? Why? What I just I don't eating? know what it is. It's just like make it, when I go running now. I have to go straight away when i get home go and go to the toilet bathroom and i'm just like how what and i can never get and i feel like it's holding me back and getting my good times because (laughs) (laughs) is it slowing you down but i don't know maybe or it's just like the (laughs) discomfort so yeah um I was like, if anyone listeners has had this problem, completely please give me some, uh, possibly give me some uh, tips or whatever. John do was saying drink? maybe I should drink some coffee before I go out running, but I'm like, I don't know how one I have to just do that every time. I think um, you should you should smoke two cigarettes and drink a cup of coffee, and yeah. that would that would allow you Clear. to drop decades, just, and then you can go for a, and then you can yeah, go for a run. Yeah, maybe I take up smoking just for that. <laughs> It's a one way to do it. But um Evan, do you know do you know when um do you remember when you humiliate me when I uh with the quiz? Yeah yeah, uh the Irish quiz. Yes. So as I said, because it was the Polish Independent Day and you spent a lot of time with me hanging out. So I'd like to check how much of my Polish heritage are you aware of? <laughs> okay, this could go very wrong, I think. Bad. So so it's only three questions. Okay, just well, can I just can I just say as well, yeah. like you got zero out of three on my one. So if I can get one, <laughs> then I'm better than you. Okay. It was really hard quiz, and they still think that box and they should be accepted. But anyway, no, no. Uh, it's a mini quiz, so we have a three, uh, three multiple choice questions, okay. and then I'm gonna read two facts, and then you have to tell me whether this is a true fact or a false okay. fact. So okay? it's a bit easier, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first one. Uh, how would you greet someone in Polish? Is it guten morgen, uh, dobry den, do widzenia, or dzień dobry? Uh, well, I know it's not guten morgen. God, the other three just sound so alike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Get a lot of hair for that. Um, could you say the, th- the, the, the last three again? Okay, so dobry den. Do widzenia or dzień dobry? I think it's the C. Dobre winia? Do widzenia? Yeah. That's wrong! Oh yes. no. Yes. Do widzenia means goodbye. Can John, Dob- can John guess? I'll be uh, Evan's phone a friend. I think it's the last one. Yeah, it's the last one. Yeah. Oh, f- That's not easier because he had two out of four. I did a semester of Russian, so. I know some Eastern <laughs> European words. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> the semester in Russian. Very good. Um, I'm not Russian. Don't, not that there is anything wrong. I'm Polish. Uh, and Irish. A okay. bit Dutch. Uh, which are the colors of the Polish flag, Evan? Is it red and white or white and red? Oh. Oh, I thought you were going to go blue and grey or something like very distinct. Um, so like which is the top one and which is the bottom one? Yeah. Who is on top and who is on the bottom? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is going to be... I think it's white and red. 
John, do you do you agree or not? I disagree, Evan. It's red well, on top. The Polish flag is white and red. Oh yes, what? I got it right. I thought oh, I was wow. uh, yeah, Russian. Russian <laughs> semester of Russian was useless. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you you got um, oh, okay. So I've done like so. Uh, both of you have one and one uh, one point. Okay, each. yeah, we can compete for the last. Uh, so the third question, and I think this is this is the easiest one. Oh, uh, where is the Wawel Castle located? Is it in Gdańsk? Is it in Wroclaw? Is it in Krakow? Or is it in Warsaw? Oh, okay, I know this one, but I'm gonna let John answer first. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna guess it's where you're from, but I can't remember if that's. What were the last two? Warsaw and. Is it Krakow or Warsaw then? Uh, I think it's Krakow. Okay, Evan? Well, yeah, it's Krakow. Yeah, it is Krakow. So we, we both got Krakow, that right. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. And now we're moving on to the fun fact. Okay. Uh, so a guy called Jan Stepanik in 1901 invented a bulletproof vest. And that the same design in 1902 saved the life of King Alfonso Thirteenth of Spain during an association attempt in his wedding, on his wedding day. Is this is a true story? Did Jan Szczepaniak invented bulletproof vest? When was this? Sorry, nineteen oh one. Yeah, I think it would be an elaborate story if it wasn't true. John, <laughs> it's an elaborate story, but I, I would have thought they would have used bulletproof vests then in World War One. I. I didn't know if they did. I'm gonna say yes. It's a true story. It is a true story. Yeah, and um, another one, the last one. So you all go and you all. No yeah. Polish thing pretty well. Although, okay, well, let's see. Maybe this one's going to get you. Henrik Mag- Manguski, he, um, he could not come to Poland after the outbreak of the World War II. And uh, at the time, he found himself in the um, US. So he was an engineer. And uh, in 1941, he was involved and he did develop a very first walkie-talkie for the US Army in 1941. Is this a true story? Was it uh, World War Two? Uh, yeah, nineteen forty-one is World War Two. Yeah, and who? Oh. So he was a Polish guy stuck oh. in the U.S. because oh, he's in the U.S. He's in the U.S. because Nazis at the time occupied Poland. Yeah, yeah. He's an engineer, and he he developed the prototype of handheld receiver for the U.S. Army, which is a walkie-talkie, the very first one. I'd say so. I'd say true. I think that's around the time they were messing around with wa- radio yeah. waves. So I'm going to say and true. And it's in the US, so that's why I would think it would be. This is also correct. So yeah. you both have excellent Polish knowledge. Congratulations, nice. guys. Yes. Very proud of applause for us. I couldn't humiliate you as much as I would want to. Huh. Here's a question. So who uh, betrayed Poland in World War II? Was it... Germany was it Russia was it the United Kingdom <laughs> all of the above <laughs> <laughs> everybody betrayed Poland <laughs> nobody helped us we were on our horses trying to fight tanks yeah. and nobody came with help but you're not bitter no no we got over that <laughs> okay okay so that was uh we should maybe get into our headlines on that note <laughs> yes let's move um in. So yeah, what was uh, what did you want to discuss in the news headline? 
Oh, yeah. So um, I actually uh, came across a research study. Well, I, I didn't read the proper study. I, I read a rev uh, what other people thought about it, like articles. Mm -hmm. But it was, uh, it's ayahuasca stimulate neurogenesis oh, yeah. in the hippocampus. Oh. So we, I think most of people can think that uh, cells divide and differentiate and proliferate, but neurons, like once you have them, that's it. They don't, uh, they don't carry on dividing and stuff like that. Um, and maybe yeah, explain this, as well, just to people, ayahuasca is oh yes. also DMT, which is it like, is, a, what would you call it? Like a psychedelic, a psychedelic compound. Yeah. Yeah. Ayahuasca so, is the one it's. Well, the, it's down in South America. Vsauce did a, uh, he has a YouTube show where he went down and did the whole uh, experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so it's a, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's a psychedelic thing. It's a plant, ayahuasca. It contains the DMT. It grows in Amazon and the native tribes and the shamans were using it to, um, to get connected with the gods and future and stuff like that. Uh, it is, it is produced this compound, psychoactive compound DMT. And DMT is unbelievable. It, it is the strongest psychoactive compound mm. and every living, uh, organism produces it. Like me and you, when we sleep, we produce DMT. Oh. And some people think like when you, when you like, when you, when you are like clinically dead, so there's still time to bring you back, but with the, the end of the light that the people see or like the images, they say it's because brain releases like higher levels of DMT and that lets you like trip. Uh, so that's why people you, do the, that thing where they maybe like fix yeah. it themselves and then yeah. try and bring themselves back. Yeah. Uh, but also the ayahuasca, except for DMT, it also contains compounds like harminin and tetrahydroharminin both of which have previously been found to stimulate the formation of neurons from stem cells in the Petri dish. So this oh. was the first thing. And then they moved from Petri dish into the mouse models and they, uh, they literally got mice high on ayahuasca. <laughs> and um, uh, so, they, so they treated them with a trippy beverage. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, so and what is trippy beverage? <laughs> yes. So the challenge is to activate our dormant capacity of the form neurons and thus replace the neurons that die as a re result of the disease. And, uh, the and they did it for the mice. They treated them for a period of time. And then when they gave them, um, gave them like a, a, a kind of a test to, to, to test their memory and stuff like that, the, the mice treated with the, with the psychedelic beverage performed better than the one that were not treated. Oh. And, um, and were the mice were just um were they just wild type mice or were they lacking something I, I don't know that okay i don't know that that's a good question and the only thing that is also cool about this is that uh the scientists now are thinking a way about extracting the exactly the compounds that cause the uh, the neuroregeneration mm -hmm. so yeah. you can you can actually give it to people without forcing them to experience these very vivid hallucinations yeah uh so this is uh, i think it would be interesting to see how it's moving forward and if they are able to extract this neurodegenerative new raw development genesis development uh compounds um so they can rest so they can rebuild the neurons and leave out the all the psychedelic trips and uh it's a tr it's a it's a thing that is run by the scientists from madrid so, um, yeah, it will be interesting to see because, mm. uh, you know, being able to restore neurons has unlimited potential in the disease treatment. So yeah, yeah. really Maybe. cool. Really exciting.
I think that's such a big feel now. You uh, like companies cha- uh, like sh- switching to using these once prohibited drugs to try and treat like neurodevelopment disorders. So yeah, um, recent recently in America there was a. Uh, um the, loads of states legalize not only marijuana but also a psychedelic mushrooms mm. and uh, i think there are studies showing how mdma can be used for treatment of depression and uh, ptsd and schizophrenia uh, I think and schizophrenia well. yeah so yeah we've been all taught how bad drugs are and they've been labeled and of course it is wrong to abuse drugs but you know maybe it's not all evil maybe there are mm things that we can uh, extract and use for our benefit yeah. it's just annoying because i i know i'm aware that i think in america they still think trees i think even mushrooms as like a really high level drug so it's to get approval to do trials on it is very like in humans i think it's very difficult yeah so yeah. um i just hope that there can be a push to maybe like look into treating other disorders um, and the other thing I was going to say is uh, you should definitely tell Joe Rogan about this. So since he's a, such <laughs> a big fan, yeah, of he's DMT. on my speed dial. So uh, yeah, <laughs> he was. Yeah, yeah. I I would call him later. Best buds. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what is your um? What is um, your? So this is actually a really good story as well. Um, it's looking at prevention of HIV in Africa, where um, well, as we know, HIV is like uh, endemic in a lot of places in Africa um, and they're at the moment they use a lot of prophylaxis drugs so that the individuals would take these uh, tablets every day to help prevent obtaining HIV and well, there's a new study now done where they found that the uh, this drug it's called capotegravir um, and that it's an injection and when it's taken once every eight weeks it's safe and it's actually more effective than current daily oral pre-exposure prophylaxis in preventing HIV in women. And this is according to the okay. U.S. National Institutes of Health. Uh, and yeah, so it was shown that after interim analysis that when they were both compared, capotegravir was 89% more effective than taking it, the drug every day. Is it, is it cheap? Uh, I don't know about the price, but uh, okay. both trials were funded by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in America and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They're doing, I have to say, they do great work in Africa and helping prevent diseases. Um, and they had this study already done in men and transgender women as well. And they, mm-hmm. fa- they actually stopped the study because it was so effective, the, <clears throat> the injection group, compared to taking the tablet every day. They're not saying that the, taking the tablet every day is that much worse. I think it's just because people will forget to take it every day or they won't bother to take it every day. They'll be like, oh, I'll just skip it one day or the other. And I think that can play a role in why it might not be as effective as whereas if you're just getting the injection like every eight weeks, it just mm-hmm. have to go get the injection and then you're actually protected for a while and you don't have to be as proactive. I suppose they still have to re- oh, negotiate. If they can do it themselves, that would be great. Or maybe if they have to go to clinics, that can be a bit more of a uh, challenge, I suppose, for uh, clinics and stuff like that. But if they actually could um, develop this injection to prevent HIV of, uh, infection, um, it would be have huge like, consequences, positive consequences for um, treating HIV and trying preventing it spreading in Africa. No, that's very important. Yeah, that's, um, that makes sense because... Yeah. The African countries are unfortunately ridden by this uh, yeah. disease. Um, um, and yeah, and they said that they, it didn't, ha- 
it didn't ha- it was well tolerated it had no safety <coughs> concerns it's yeah it's pre- highly effective of preventing sexual acquisition of hiv when taking um when taken yeah they said the uh, this woman who was the trial protocol chair she said young women may tr- may be twice as likely to acquire hiv as their male counterparts in certain regions around the world making new hiv prevention options an important unmet need so if this can actually help in that it'd be amazing so but yeah, this is good only story. working this is only working on women no, they, 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 so this was a new, this study I'm talking about was in women and they showed that it was more effective, this injection. Uh-huh. Um, not to say that they can't use the other treatment, which is the, called Truvada, which is like you take it daily. They already stopped a previous trial with men and transgender women because it was so effective. So um, oh, okay. really interesting. And uh, yeah, I hope, hope it can be rolled out and try and somewhat help tackle this problem in Africa. Well, if we if we are uh, to live with another very infectious virus, it's only fair to get rid of another one. Yeah, so I think we can we should make a trade. Uh, HIV for COVID. Okay, okay. So you're just saying like one only one virus to rule them all. <laughs> yeah, 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 because if you have po- it's too it's too much. We can't. Yeah. yeah, you know. So get rid of one and then. We can live with the with the another one for a couple of years, and then something else will replace it, and the cycle will continue. Yeah, but they said as well, it's likely to be more than a year before this will this Capitega Revere will be widely available. But we we hopefully it can be helpfully funded um and can be rolled out. Um, yeah, so it's great to see some good positive stories uh, that are not maybe COVID related. <laughs> yeah, somewhat. definitely. So recently there was the the wild polio eradicated in Africa. Now they're on track from the to getting uh, getting uh, preventive work against the HIV. Mm. Seems like they're doing great. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to see. Briefly before we go in, because I think mm. we have. I want to. We'll be talking about the vaccine for a while, so we don't want to delay mm. it. Um, was that the the new variant they found of the COVID in mink, uh, in Denmark? Yes. Yes. And the uh, mink. Yeah. Can I just say minks are terrible animals? I don't know why. I suppose they're <laughs> using them for fur, but What do you mean terrible? Well we used animals. to have them we had chickens and ducks on our far- on our farm, yeah, and the minks would come in and they basically <laughs> when they kill uh the hens or the ducks, they don't even they just basically like suck like they bite just to suck the blood out. So they just barely take any blood out of the animals like your facial expression uh but they're very like it's like super uh cruel how they kill them compared to foxes who would just like eat them whole or something so you hate manks yeah they're just awful animals i think they're just getting back at us for taking their fur i mean (laughs) humans are using them for fur and not eating them so (laughs) i think it's fair game (laughs) um yeah, so basically, uh, so this mutated variant of uh, the novel coronavirus, it had seemed to has infected humans after spreading through mink farms in the north of Denmark. And one strain that had been found in 12 humans exper- appeared to exhibit decreased susceptibility to antibodies from previously infected people. And yeah, minks are one of these uh, animals that are susceptible to infection by the novel coronavirus. 
and again they're able to spread it rapidly because of the conditions they're kept in these cages i don't uh, think they are much better than the wet markets in china no no it's true like it, it easily could have come from somewhere like that as well yeah um i suppose the only thing is that there's only minks on the in these farms whereas in them wet markets this is like all the animals yeah, every single yeah. one <laughs> the prime minister said they were going to call all the minks being kept in the danish borders but that's since been cancelled because it would take the livelihood of a large number of people and they're actually not sure if this mutation is actually dangerous or not um but yeah but i think i think they already have killed a lot of them I think they have killed a lot of them, but I don't think they've called all of them. Um, but yeah, it's just because they've found now five different virus strains that have been passed through the mink population to yeah. the Danish people. And the mutations involve changes to the spike protein that the mm-hmm. virus uses to adhere to human cells. And this is the protein that's being used a lot in the focus for vaccine efforts. So it just can completely undermine the vaccine work that's already been done. Um, the mink variant doesn't appear to be showing uh, any sign of spreading faster or causing more severe symptoms so there's still people skeptical if this is actually could undermine it but um, it's still implications that there is been a change in the variant and we will see i suppose Mm. if this becomes significant and if the if the herding if the um if the antibodies don't uh, don't work as well against that virus then there there is your herd immunity plan going uh down the mm. sink yeah yeah because um it will end up uh reinfecting yeah yeah if it if it's changing yeah yeah well the only thing is that hopefully we can we can all effectively remove it from the population the virus the main before, no oh, the virus <laughs> <laughs> the, the virus before it it can maybe have a significant change that can cause something serious yeah um yeah well so. ho- hopefully it's all gonna be done before um the 20th of december <laughs> <laughs> before you go home is it hopefully yeah yeah okay cool uh so that's our headlines so yeah we'll just go into our uh main stories i think day. so um, um so yeah maybe you can start tom um and tell okay. us about dentistry. A, the story close to your heart so close close to my jaw so <laughs> So my story is, I have suf- I suffer from congenital condition called hypodonia, I think. Self- there is a lot of new dentistry terms that I had to go through, and they're not they're not as easy as I thought. Mm. So bear with me. And uh, we have uh, my uh, my friend dentist will be probably proof checking everything I say right mm. now. So. Once we release the podcast and then she's not going to agree with something, we're going to have to issue uh, corrections. Yeah. But anyway, so I suffer from this congenital condition that makes my two incisor, incisor teeth a baby teeth. So I don't, I don't have adult teeth. So one of them has already fell out. You got tired. Yeah. And so now I have 31 teeth and I'm, and I'm waiting for my implant. But I've been waiting a long time and uh, I got interested into like, well, maybe we can grow it in the lab, right? Seems, seems, seems normal. When you're, so, uh, while you're differentiating yourself, like I might as well just grow some teeth uh, while I'm yeah. at it. I'm already growing kind bir- eyes. Yeah, kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. But anyway, uh, I'll ask my friend about like, so tell me more about the 
dentistry and the disease and what's going on and she said like the um like the tooth decay and the gums disease are the one of the most easy easiest preventable diseases ever because you just have to like have a good dental hygiene mm. but uh we looked a little bit more into it and it is true like common oral diseases they include like the teeth decay and uh, the periodontal diseases which is the gum disease and uh, you know this all happens due to the decay or um, some people lose their teeth because uh, they don't have some they don't have enough space in the jaw to fit everything or there could be a trauma uh, you know, getting punched in the face or something like that, that yeah. all causes, uh, like, the falling out of the teeth. Data indicates that about 30% of people aged between 65 and 74 have no natural teeth. Oh, wow. So, that's, that's wild. Um, it's so common, though. You'll always be like, oh, so you, like, you'll always know someone who's, like, had problems with their teeth. Yeah. It's just... Uh, so um so far the clinical dentistry has revealed um has relied heavy on a variety of dental biomaterials and restorative options protocols to prevent or to treat dental uh decay and tooth loss structure so these things include like dental am amalgam you know or composite materials so that the routine work you're getting done when you go to the dent dent dentist but like obviously for someone who doesn't have a teeth or tooth this this is not gonna. Mm. This is not gonna do it. So so far, the dental implants are considered as as a gold standard for replacement. Um, they do not exhibit many of the properties of natural teeth, and they also can be associated with complications leading to the failure. And as as I was as I'm going through my treatment, I had a lot of bone jawbone scans because apparently once you lose your teeth, your jawbone density is decreasing. So they have to like measure my bone density to see even if can like even if they can screw in uh, yeah. the implant because some you know in some people it doesn't that it doesn't even work so the developments in tissue engineering and in the recognition of the usefulness of stem cell in tissue repair and regeneration have sparked much interest in the application of tissue engineer, engineering principles and protocols to regenerate the dental complex or its associated structures so i've kind of I, I was thinking like, okay, I'm just going to look up for a simple paper and I'm going to read the paper and that's going to be my thing. But once I started looking into it, I've noticed that at the start, around 2007, 2010, there was like a lot of papers being published trying to show that they can grow teeth. And then, recent, and then I noticed a switch in the perspective of how the papers were being published. And like in uh, 2018, 19, 20, there's loads of papers showing not actually that they're trying to grow a teeth, but they're showing like uh, they're trying to understand how to grow the teeth. So mm. I think at the start, the scientists thought like, okay, we have the stem cells, we have the iPSCs, let's just differentiate them into a teeth. But then I think there is so many like molecular processes and pathways uh, that influence the growth of the teeth that now they're switching rather than just growing it to kind of deciphering which molecular patterns are involved, how, um, uh, what kind of uh, medium you should prepare, what kind of uh, reagents should be in there to promote that everything. So there's a lot of focus now on what, what promotes tooth growth rather than just growing a, just growing a, can, can a I teeth. ask though, have mm -hmm. they, so have they actually successfully done it? Yet? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there was, a, there was, a, it was successfully done, but the work that was successful was done on the embryon, uh, mice and bronic stem cells oh so it's just so, in mice yeah and not even stem cells because i don't think with the stem cells they they just don't know how to properly differentiate them into the into the tooth 
Mm. So, and when you use the em uh, embryonic stem cells, uh, they um, they kind of bet the the programmed somehow already to yeah. to reach yeah. that to reach that level uh, of to development compared to the induced pluripotent stem yeah, cells. Yeah, just yeah, just in case people are wondering, it, it induced pluripotent stem cells is when you got any tissue and you reprogram it back to the start, so it can still go differentiate into a lot of different tissues. So you you already have like I don't know like a lot of people just like muscle tissue and you'd reprogram yeah. it back to like a a pluripotent stem cell and then differentiate into the teeth. Whereas the embryonic ones would be where you get it from the embryo, uh, and then you differentiate that from the into the um into the teeth using yeah. that method. It's just that people there's a lot of ethical issues about using embryonic stem cells because people don't agree with using the embryos. So the induced pluripotent stem cells is like uh, a way of getting around this but again you're kind of can be quite a little bit limited especially as you're saying now yeah and uh, you know the induced stem cells are what was it 2007 that they were dif discovered yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so it's still yeah. relatively new still relatively new in the terms of science so um the the, the and the, the tooth development in its own is like super interesting as well because it's not just like a one cells going through different stages of maturity it's actually a combination of a epithelial cells of your gums working together with mesenchymal stem cells which is the lineage that go that the can bone. differentiate into like the bone and tissue mm. and fat tissue and stuff like that so it's actually this reciprocal relationship between the epithelial and mesenchymal cells and mm. the development starts in uterus uh so once the one when the fetus is inside the mother and then it keeps continue after after you being born so like it's really a long period of time with load of morphological changes and it's 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 mad like because the the way the epithelial of the gums falls on itself and changes morphology that actually gives the shape of the crown of the teeth yeah like, that's like crazy and there's like loads of uh, stages the teeth has to go through so once you're trying to translate that aspect into like the laboratory you know there's there's a lot there's a lot it's not just um, letting them grow and do yeah. their own thing it's it's mad and it's like two sets of different teeth, like it's <laughs> yes. crazy. Like, and then when we have our final teeth, it's like different types: the molars and your canines and your incisors and all mm. them, all the different teeth. So they all have different. I'd say, yeah. So you, you like if you're missing like a front tooth, like you can't just develop a molar. Yeah, put a molar. It's just go like that's not how it works. Uh, it look weird it look interesting <laughs> yes <laughs> and uh, but I then then i started thinking like okay so if the teeth is like continuously growing and developing i was thinking like well maybe there's like maybe there are some local stem cells with inside like the teeth so i look into that and there's actually do you have these regions of the teeth that have their own stem cells that are being used for uh, regeneration uh, purposes oh. because it's not like once you have teeth that's it that that's all ha that, that nothing there you have like the, the the bone outside but then you have this different structure of the of the teeth the the dentin and then i think you have like the pulp which is all of the nerves and everything and cells and actually there are stem cells in the pulp of the teeth that can be harvested Wow. And, um, and you can you can use that to to develop to to develop to you can use that to try to develop teeth but i also have noticed loads of these kind of stem cells is used as a cellular therapy so they will literally give you a dose of like uh, stem cells harvested from the teeth the different parts of the teeth 
from different parts of the teeth, you can harvest different types of stem cells and they actually being used in a, as a cellular therapy. So you're just being given the stem cells to maybe kind of a rebuild aspects of the teeth that are missing mm. uh, if the disease is not progressed uh, further on. So I think I, uh, in my last slide, I have, a, I have like a list of clinical trials and what has been done. But, I, um, but what I wanted to tell you is like, uh, first to look at this, first to development took place in 1969. Oh, wow. And that's, uh, and that was a seminal work by Collar and Braid, and they actually used the um, uh, embryonic de uh, dental epithelium and mesenchym cells. And that's, that's all work done in mice. You can't use human epi um, embryonic st stem cells. Yeah. And, uh, but actually, and this is, this is why science is mad. So they, they, they grabbed these, um, uh, these cells, embryonic dental epithelium and mesenchym cells, and they grafted it into anterior chamber of the mouse eye. This is like, why do you want to grow it in the eye? Yeah, you, like I, it's, so, it's, so, it's so weird. But why did they? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> is I just have no idea, but they just, they just grafted it into the eye. But yeah. Is it because it's a sterile environment? That could be a that could be a good idea. The eye I is immunologically privileged, so it's easy to introduce different genetic treatments to the eye because that would not elicit mm. immune response. Yeah, maybe John. Thank you for that. No problem. So That's maybe what I'm here maybe for. the immune maybe the immune reason is f uh, is for that, or maybe the also probably the accessibility. But anyway, it grew into properly patterned teeth. Whatever they injected into the eyes of the mouse. But then it was a huge gap between 1969 until 2007, where no much work was being done because okay. of the issues surrounding the, um, the source of the stem cells, which were the embryonic stem cells. So in 2007, a guy called Nakao, so uh, work uh, done in Japan, and his colleagues generated fully developed teeth by recombining uh, dissociated embryonic tooth germ, germ cells. So that's what I mentioned. They sourced the stem cells from the from the teeth uh, and he has been improving this method since uh, 2007 and uh, in these experiments it was uh, a single cell suspension of separated epithelial and mesenchymal cells that were uh, obtained from the embryonic tooth uh, germs, la germs la layer and then the epithelial and mesenchymal cells were recombined within the collagen so collagen is for the support I would imagine and subsequently, it all create, uh, recreated the tooth germ, which grew to early bell stage. So bell stage is one of the early stages of tooth formation. When this was transplanted into the jaw, so first they, they want to achieve the early stages of the teeth in the Petri dish, and then they can move that kind of grafted into the jaw. So you yeah. have already like the beginnings happening in the Petri dish. And when, that when, this, begin when this bell shape structure was transplanted into the jaw, at the site of a mice, the or isn't it? yes yes of the where the original tooth was supposed to be done uh, a fully grown teeth erupted and it was a functioning and normal teeth so that was like a, a huge success and i think that was uh, circa 2007 but it's still um, this method is not applicable to humans uh, because it's still even though it's 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 still ethically vague because although it's a um, they say they call it um, tooth um, uh, embryonic tooth germ cells but because there's still this embryonic label mm. embryonic label attached to it so they can't really replicate this 
this uh, the studies in the in the humans yeah. uh but the fact that if but if you use embryonic stem cells you can you can grow a functioning teeth like it, it has been shown in the mice yeah but you can you so there is a hope there for me that maybe if i break the ethical reasons uh, <laughs> or ethical guidelines i can do one myself so due to the lack of information on how to successfully program the dental identity of ips so the induced pluripotent stem cells uh, that that would that which would enable them to reproduce the complex and precisely orchestrated cellular and molecular interactions which occur during the in vivo to development. So as I said, I was looking at the papers, I was trying to see, well, maybe there is a paper that actually grew a teeth um, and we can see that. But all of the recent papers, it's all about molecular interactions and it's mm. all about pathways. And there, is com there was loads of studies on comparison between uh, non-growing teeth in human and with teeth in mice because mice as a rodents they two front teeth they're continuously growing yeah the incisors and this is i think this is the gold standard for study how teeth develop they use a lot of rodents model and then i think with every day they decipher new genes new transcription factors that are responsible for uh for for um for tooth development so there is a there's a lot of i think energy put into developing this 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 tooth but also in the meantime i looked at the clinical trials in dental tissue derived cell-based regenerative medicine so not exactly growing the teeth but using uh but rather using different uh components of the tooth to replace uh, uh diseased components so basically cellular therapy so there was a 10 uh, studies that i looked at well i didn't look at them it was they have already it was like a meta review yeah and um, 10, 10, 10 studies used dental dental pulp derived cells so well as i mentioned the dental the, the pulp of the teeth whereas all the cells and all the nerves and and blood streams uh seven used gingiva derived cells three used periodontal ligament derived cells so these are all location within or around the teeth that uh, either supported or nourished the teeth or um, or whatever function they have and apparently all of these different regions of the teeth if you know where you're looking for you can harvest stem cells from there mm. from from that region but they are not um they are already committed stem cells so they're not like you know they're not uh, pluripotent that you can do with them you can go with them anywhere. Yeah. I think they kind of, I think they kind of still like hematopoietic stem cells. That they still stem cells, but they are committed to, to to develop in a certain ways. And out of this whole clinical trials that I was looking up and seeing what's going on, there was no adverse events that may have been associated with cell transplantation, uh, reported in any study, whether it's a allogenic graft or auto autogenic graft. So these therapies are being used on on humans on people. Mm. and those and um uh, and this i think the study ranged from the early 2000s till the uh 2018 or 2019 and in that period like which is all like let's definitely more than 10 years there was no adverse events associated with any of this of these treatments so i think that's um that's that that's that's really cool um, but so basically they're just like taking a little bit of the some kind of the tooth that's that's already been like diseased and then they just basically grow it up like re regrow it ex vivo 
and and then re-put it back in is that how how it works then? i think i think the the they um they take the the cells they might they probably uh they probably handle them in a way to be suitable for what treatment they want to use them for so they don't they don't differentiate them into like a tooth or teeth and they they just they just want to have um this is how i think of, about it like if the cellular therapy for eye would be like that i have to replace certain photoreceptors i would take my stem cells i would differentiate them or push them towards differentiating into that cellular phenotype i want to achieve and then i would graft them into my eye and then they would latch on and start complete the differentiation and start performing the function and i think this is what happens here they take in the this uh this stem cells that were derived from different aspects of the teeth they push them towards the kind of phenotype they want them to see and they graft them into the 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 tooth or the teeth and they kind of and then they then they take over and maybe they can regenerate the pulp Uh or they can um you know contribute in one way or the other to to make the teeth healthy again Oh, okay. of course yeah so it's not completely replacing it it's, it's not of... it's more yet it's not replacement it's regenerative medicine yeah. okay but i still like um it just seems uh like the benefits because like there's so much go- good options now for like implants and all that like, not to say that they shouldn't do it but the the cost and everything and uh most people we like it's it's a lot of it's a lot more yeah costly to to do that te- kind of therapy whereas it just be like easier just to like get a false teeth or tooth yeah but now that i'm going through the getting a false teeth or tooth uh therapy treatment uh it is a, it takes a lot of time a lot of appointments and like it's it's not cheap either like mm Unless, unless you decide to go to the Eastern Europe somewhere and get it done there, yeah. I think that's the trick most people do. But like, yeah. if you, you, you know, I, I think it's a feasible, and of course, it's it's much better to have an a natural teeth rather than a, a fake implant, right? Mm. But we're still uh, we're still some way off, it though. I think we are some way off, and um, yeah, it was I was terrified when I was reading that you like the fact that you lose 60 percent of your bone density once you lose the teeth like i lost 60 percent of my upper jaw density just because the tooth went just because the tooth is not there it's because one of the big boys my 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 bone is still okay to to take the implant as far as i learned um in the humans it's still too early to, to do it because we don't know how to do it with the induced mm. pluripotent stem cells. I'm sure there are geniuses there that are currently working on it and they're pretty close to cracking the code. Uh, but, you know, between cracking the code and using it as a valuable form of treatment could take a little bit of time. But uh, they're, they're currently laying the groundwork for this. I think so, yeah. To understand like it. Especially because you have two different tissue types interacting with each other yeah, to it's, to it's develop to develop it could be challenging yeah it's probably a very delicate and sensitive process to figure it out uh but yeah i think i will have to settle for a, an old school implant for now yeah uh which is fine yeah yeah no it's hopefully in the future we can just be like here's some just take some sample off here and then they'll give you yeah just like then you go in for an operation and yeah because you know it uh we we can grow like mini kidneys mini brains uh 
like there is a lot of things we can we can grow with stem cells now yeah. so i think this is just another one on the list and it was pretty cool looking into it maybe it was a little bit different for me because i didn't have to focus on one paper i had like i was looking at reviews and trying to grasp my head around what is going on and compress it to maybe 20 minutes talk yeah, yeah. but um it was yeah the whole molecular uh patterns and how it's being done in the in dentistry is pretty interesting and maybe if i still don't have an implant by the time i'm done with my phd and they <laughs> still haven't cracked how to do it i could uh, i could go there and and cause some damage we'll see <laughs> yeah. because on the sorry because on the on the when I, when I go for the like an interview and they ask me like why do you want to work here and <laughs> i was like i want that teeth and be like this guy is motivated he's gonna do it <laughs> he's gonna crack the code <laughs> yeah so yeah that was uh that was my uh yeah. do, you was ever, my um, do you ever mm-hmm. have dreams about losing your teeth uh no no i usually have either like um or i dream about rodents for some reason like very big rodents oh yeah because you're afraid of yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I work with a girl who she said she has them a lot, and I I think it's a sign of anxiety when you when you dream of all your teeth falling out. Oh, I've never had that te- dream. Okay. No, no, no. So I lucky. don't dream about f- teeth falling out. I just do it in real life, like a man. Okay, yeah, that was that was great. Jesus, like read a thorough uh, research into it. I tried. Well, my, my friend, Dr. Sylvia Novak, she helped me. Uh, we had a little bit of conversation and uh, I think she's trying to convince me to change my interest, but not yet, Sylvia. I still have two years of magnificent research to do okay. within the eye. Okay, okay that, was, uh, <coughs> that was pretty cool. <coughs> so watch this space for <laughs> teeth. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so then maybe, so yeah, for, I'll just go into my uh, story then. So about the vaccine development so Mm -hmm. it's all over the news this week um i'm sure i wouldn't be surprised when we this episode drops that something else might be released about new more um vaccine research results but i'm just going to focus on the pfizer and biotech one because that's the been the one that's been uh, the news has been released so uh yeah this vaccine candidate that's been developed by pfizer and biotech has been shown to be possibly 90% effective in preventing COVID-19 in participants without prior infection. The first interim analysis of the phase three trial has shown. Mm -hmm. Um, So the study, yeah, it began back in July. They went from basically a phase one trial and then they went phase two slash phase three. So um, it's kind of different to what the other other, uh, big pharma companies had done like Moderna and Cambridge uh, AstraZeneca yeah that they had I talked about previously where they Mm -hmm. went from phase one two and then they went to phase three so that's why I thought they would be the ones first but Pfizer and BioNTech did this phase combined phase two three study so they kind of removed a step so they yeah they've enrolled nearly 44,000 participants and just under 39,000 have received the second dose of the mRNA vaccine. So, yeah, what this, as most people are aware, this vaccine has to be two doses. You'd get one 28 days. 28 days later, I think. Yeah, 28 days later, you get the second, you're meant to get the second dose. 
um, and just for people to know what the vaccine is again so this Pfizer and BioNTech it's a single nucleoside modified messenger RNA or mRNA I've already talked about this before on the yeah. podcast again <laughs> it's never been developed for a uh, as a vaccine before so it's kind of uh, all completely new in a way but that's that's different mRNA vaccine from the Moderna vaccine it is yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so this is like the it's a 30 microgram dose level in a two dose regimen as I said in a phase two three study um, and they so basically what they did was once they confirmed that the the, peop, the participants they enrolled that there was 94 cases of confirmed COVID-19 they were like okay we're going to do a interim analysis and see what the effectiveness of the vaccine compared to the placebo was um, and they said that the case split between the vaccinated individuals and those who received the placebo indicates a vaccine efficiency rate above 90 percent mm. this was at seven days after the second dose so this means that the protection is achieved 28 days after the initi- initiation of the vaccine uh, which consists of a two-dose schedule um, but the most important thing to maybe be aware of, and I know it's all great to like we all celebrating and very <laughs> optimistic, but I suppose this was still only a press release and they've not published a peer review paper as of yet. So it's still only what they've drip fed us through the media. So mm. uh, we still have to wait and see. Um, and there's still questions that I'm just going to go through that they haven't really answered as well in this um press release yeah because i think everybody everybody went crazy once they heard like 90 percent effectiveness mm, and yeah and the, you know that the, this vaccine is is great and um yeah i think everybody's just riding this 90 percent effectiveness mm. uh, uh wave yeah um so the company yeah they intend to submit the vaccine for emergency use authorization by the <laughs> u.s fda after they've collected safety data for the two months after the second dose and they're expected to reach this milestone by the third week of november um i think uh luke o'neill who has been talking about it a lot in the irish media reckons he was talking to someone from pfizer and the the data from the safety looks very promising so i think from a safety point of view i think it's going to be very good Mm. um so the researchers will also evaluate the potential for the vaccine to protect against the virus in people who have had prior exposure and hopefully would offer prevention against severe COVID-19 disease. And then they're going to be monitored for long-term protection and safety for an additional two years after the second dose. Um, so then, the, and the trial is going to continue. So once they reach 164 COVID-19 cases, like confirmed, detected, that's when they're going to, I think, stop uh, the trial and estimate. Then, compl- then they'll have an, uh, then they'll have a final estimate of how effective the vaccine is. So mm-hmm. the initial est- estimates of ninety percent might actually go down when they have more confirmed cases because they'll have more data. Mm. So, um, but the vaccine might not. So yeah, it mightn't turn out to be a quite as effective once the trial is complete. But the one thing is to be aware of: it's likely to be. There, it's still well above 50%, and this 50% threshold is what the US FDA says is required for a coronavirus vaccine to be approved for emergency okay. use. So it's still very promising in a way because it'll have to be completely lose effectiveness if it shouldn't get approved. And uh, do you remember 
what happened to the Moderna vaccine and the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine that they are not being uh, carried out any further? So what uh, Luke O'Neill, as I mentioned, he said that Moderna um, are going to release their data uh, in the next week or two. And they were meant to have 40,000 participants as well. Very similar. Mm -hmm. And I think they were saying it's going to be quite similar in a way. Um, So, yeah. Uh, I haven't heard anything else from the the Cambridge one. All I had heard was that it had paused at one stage or um because of a bad reaction, but I think they're back again. Okay. So I don't know. It's still I'm not still not sure where they're at. Yeah. If they're close yeah. to publishing as well, they should be because I think Moderna and the Cambridge one were basically going to phase three at the same time. So if Moderna's going to be publishing, then I can imagine Cambridge will be too. Um. It's interesting. I think the um the the issue with the Pfizer vaccine is the the storage and transportation, right? Mm, yeah, the the it has to be kept at minus seventy. So again, what that what this this uh trial that they are doing obviously is going to be like the highest standard. So they'll have all the they'll be right beside where they can keep it at perfect temperature. The vaccine, so uh, they'll have the highest chance of having the highest effectiveness. So again this effectiveness we're going to drop in the real world where you're out at clinics mobile units yeah. hospitals where you're going to have to transporting it in this minus 70 box again you have to quality control that everything's definitely kept at minus 70 and that how long does it stay out can you keep it out on at room can you keep it out at uh on counter level do, do you want to add something john um yeah, just that there's a very good video from Wendover Productions on YouTube where he goes through the logistics of distribu- distributing um, such a vaccine that would need uh, to be kept at lower temperatures in rural areas where it takes a while to get there, first of all, and then it could be sitting on shelves or in you know fridges that aren't as good quality. Um, yeah, so I'd point to that one. Uh, one second, there was another point. Um, Oh yeah, uh, so because what I would see the 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 Pfizer vaccine with such a high efficacy rate, um, that gives them a good buffer, I guess, because they were looking mm. for about sixty percent. So if if it drops in transit, they're still they have a nice nice buff, buffer there that yeah might keep it still quite a, it might maintain its efficacy. Yeah, mm, exactly. Um, and then the other technological challenges cause it has to be too two doses so again how are you logistically going to organize uh getting the two doses where storage of them getting then people booked in that they get the second dose how to make sure that they still get it because you know people will be like oh i'm young one is enough i don't think i need to i was just gonna make this point so again it's just uh they can do as perfect as work of a clinical trial as possible but if people aren't going to get the second booster um then yeah there's going to be there's going to be difficulties so uh and i don't think there's there's no vaccine at the moment that is a two booster so it's going to be uh interesting to see um what happens in that regard um so but it it, it is it is good news yeah no we can't take away from it it is very yeah. exciting um, and and I, I hope it 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 looks the real deal, but yeah, I think uh, it's I the only thing that I managed to look up 
I think it also promotes, I think it's predominantly promotes T cell responses over the B cell responses. So, um, okay. So I don't think they've released that. I read it somewhere or maybe I'm confusing it with the Moderna vaccine. I think but you must be because I couldn't find anything about, they didn't know what the response was. It was just. Okay. Well then um, scratch that. I didn't say that. Well, we should hopefully have it soon. Um, yeah. So. What the, the full data set on which the claim has been based has not been released, so we don't know exactly what they have found. So this is some of the questions that still need to be answered, just mm -hmm. in case people want to know. So the interim analysis was done at 94 confirmed cases, but still, I, we still don't know if this was in the placebo group or the, was it the, those in, who got the vaccine. And you have to would assume, because they said the split of the cases between the groups suggested that the vaccine was more than 90% effective. So you would like to think that it was in the vaccine group, but yeah. we still don't know. Um, so that's still yet to be established. As well as this, the details about the nature of the infections the vaccine can protect against, whether it's mostly mild cases of COVID or would they include significant numbers of moderate, severe cases. So you would like to see at least a handful of cases of severe disease in the placebo group and that wouldn't be present present in the vaccine group which would suggest that the vaccine can help the the uh covid progress into that severe stage so that's still not well established mm. also it's unclear whether the vaccine can prevent people who show no or very mild symptoms of covid-19 when spreading the coronavirus because this is the big issue like people who are asymptomatic are still able to spread it um so if they can actually block this transmission in this group it would actually be hugely significant because you would really accelerate the end of the pandemic because i think this is the big problem it's not it's people that generally yeah people with symptoms obviously can spread it but it's the it seems like the people who are asymptomatic that are the ones that are really uh prolonging the the exposure and uh, spread of it yeah so this is a really interesting question i really want to know and find out um and then again the uh the companies there are pains to point out how the tribe participants are ethnically diverse we've talked about this again i think this was in the moderna <laughs> one where it was nearly all white people yeah um so they reported 42 percent had a racially and ethnically diverse background that's it is good like i'm not denying that um, but they still didn't say anything about the age of the people in the trial and this is an important test yeah which needs I... to be effective in older and elderly members of our society exactly. why <laughs> why is diversity in a trial like this important yeah you can you can think about it like two ways one one way would be the uh, socioeconomic status mm. and how that can affect uh, not only your response to the infection but your whole well-being you know the uh how much money you have the dictates how how you live your lifestyles and whether you make good or bad life choices and the other aspect is the uh the genetic predisposition yeah. um so yeah so again the socioeconomic status and the genetic predisposition that's why uh that's why you want to make sure that uh the vaccine is effective from people coming from all different sorts of backgrounds both socioeconomically and genetically yeah so um but yeah as i mentioned it's an important test that it needs to be shown to be effective in older and elderly members of our society who are a lot affected a lot more than younger people 
this is the issue that a lot of people use as an excuse like i'm young why do old people have to dictate why i can't have my life normally so you definitely need (laughs) you definitely want to see that in the older individuals who are definitely at more risk that it's uh more effective um and as well when they do release the 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 this peer pre this pre, the preprint of the results it's likely that the, because they still won't have all the 44 40,000 or whatever they had uh, analyzed so we won't be able to conclusively determine how effective the vaccine is in particular demographics um because mm-hmm. they'll break it down and they still only have a preprint and they still won't have the full data so um we still would have to wait until the end until we know for sure um how effective it is but if they're anywhere close to the effectiveness of 90 percent uh in elderly and these ethnic minority populations then this is an excellent result for a first generation vaccine the reason but yeah but the reason why um so much uh so much attention is placed on um elderly people and how they will respond it's you have to think about elderly people as in like 60 year old used car you know it's not it doesn't run as smoothly as a brand new tesla you know your immune system is just not the same and that's why they're more predisposed not only to covid but any sort of diseases because it's wear and tear kind of Mm. situation you know so it's not fair to to put the blame on them yeah no it's something they don't they don't have control it's something that the older you get, the more control you lose over, you know, your, your body. And granted, you can exercise and run and, and whatever, but at some point, something will break. And the immune system, I think universally is accepted that the older, the older you get, the, the less antibodies you produce, the, your immune cells are red, less prone to elicit 100% of a response. And, you know, they can't control that. They... Yeah. And, you know, this is something that when we develop in drugs like that should be definitely taken under consideration. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the last question, I think, is how long is this immunity going to last? So you mentioned uh, the T cell compared to the B cell. So B yeah. cell is the ones that make antibodies. T cell is the more of an adaptive response. Um, so, yeah, we don't know how long the antibodies are going to stay present in the, in the, in the blood. Uh, is it going to be three? Could it be six? And how is this memory T cell response going to be? So, like, I'm not particularly worried. A lot of people do mention, oh, the and a lot of see a lot of newspapers like, oh, the antibodies dropped are dropping within six months, like, and kind of suggesting, oh, we won't have immunity. But the problem we have, like, when we when we encounter a virus or whatever, we do amount a response, but we also amount this memory response, so that when we encounter the antigen again or the virus that basically it's already primed ready to go that we can quickly adopt this uh new another response to the virus so that we don't need to suffer the symptoms and all that again so yeah um that's the that's what i would say about that but again we still have to see what they say in the paper and how they studied this it's it's about to build with the vaccine it's about to build the infrastructure that would allow us for a quick response Mm, to to another infection because you know like it doesn't make sense to keep the army ready to go to war all the time you want to have the infrastructure that would recruit the army when it's needed like no country in the world 
is militarizing itself for no reason unless they are at war. <laughs> you know, like just be logical. Sorry, they just sounded like an attack on America there. I know. <laughs> oh no, I I don't care about. Yeah, this. but no, that's an like, excellent metaphor for what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Yeah. So that was that was just all I wanted to say about that uh, vaccine and the Pfizer. And then another uh uh. The alternative to this is the Russia vaccine, the Sputnik vaccine. I mentioned this already uh, yes. previously. So they released a press release for their vaccine re- this week as well, just after the Pfizer one. Okay. Um, so again, a reminder what this vaccine is. Um, this is a different one. It's not mRNA. It's a vaccine composed of two different adenovirus that produce the coronavirus spike protein. And they administer it three weeks apart. So uh, I think it's similar enough to mm-hmm. what they do with the Pfizer BioNTech BioNTech and they said that the, an interim analysis of 20 COVID-19 cases have found the vaccine to be 92% effective 92% effective yeah but I would be already skeptical because 20 COVID-19 cases they're like okay we're gonna uh look at uh how to see how, how effective uh, effective it is so like that's you can't I would not think you could really tell how effective it is just by looking at 20 cases i don't think yeah yeah 20 cases compared to 40 uh, no 90 94 94 yeah so it's like what four times the the number Uh, i don't think you could conclude anything from 2020 events so i mean there is so much confusion about the sputnik vaccine and maybe not necessarily fault of the uh Russian government there's lo- there's a lot of trolls on the internet what i saw like a headline is like vladimir Put- putin's daughter is dead after the vaccine oh and, really yeah and you know it's just i'm pretty sure that was a fake thing but you I know think you, people would have no i haven't heard that so I yeah agree. but like you read something like that and if you are like you know if you're like a hillbilly or a <laughs> redneck or something like you'd be like yeah russian yeah yeah you know maybe, you don't know but so yeah, could just 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 so um distrust already in the vaccine. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. But I'd um, say- in their analysis, they looked at more than sixteen thousand volunteers. They had a total of forty thousand participants. It's like I think this is must be the number of people are the 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 pharma companies are think would be is necessary to see how effective it is. That's Pfizer or Sputnik. <laughs> the Sputnik. So Sputnik, Sputnik had yeah. forty thousand eight participants. Yeah. And they looked at 16,000 volunteers three weeks after the first dose. Um, but yeah, again, it's unlikely the vaccine's true efficient efficacy is above 90% because of the low number of cases reported so far. Uh, and again, its protocol has not been made pro- public, so it's unclear whether it's actually planned to do an interim analysis after identifying 20 COVID-19 cases. Um, it definitely smells like they <laughs> wanted to be they Pfizer made their announcement they wanted to be on the coattails of that and say oh yeah we're great as well so yeah. we're just gonna look at it I think because no way could they have been like okay 20k like that could not it doesn't <laughs> sound right that they would want to do an internal analysis they would want more cases but I'm, yeah. I'm sure someone high up in Russia was like okay they've announced that we need to do it publish some results as well so I mean, it is I the think, PR behind it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just funny because it's all PR, but no one trusts it, like no one. So, well, I'm sure the Russian um, citizens have um, put trust in their um, in their vaccine. 
but yeah. it's not about putting trust and saying i believe in science or i trust science it's about looking at the results and being able to you know make up your own mind yeah um but exactly. having said that uh, yeah there'll be loads of people who make up their own mind saying that vaccines cause autism so you know maybe on one hand like do trust science but just try to think for yourself yeah yeah it's it's yeah that's that whole me and john talked about that that whole that paper that co- said the vaccines cause autism was actually published in the lancet like a high impact journal so but it was retracted i know but like the damage is done because it was retracted full retraction happened in 2010 i believe which was quite a while after yeah the initial publication so it's just um you tell people to do their research and they become like oh well they're saying it and they have i mean whatever proof people people will always be flawed you know ideologies and ideas are perfect because they are what they are ideologies but humans will always be driven by something nefarious you know and this guy obviously wanted to prove something and he decided to run with the story and now we we live in the world we are in because you know of his hubris or yeah but his... I'm, i i don't like why how is it that the lancet let it be published it's just crazy to me that they this is a quality journal and they somehow thought it was okay like did they really look rough like if it was now retracted what did they do enough thorough research I mean, why, uh, why the Americans try to fake uh, some <laughs> army thing so they can start war in Cuba? Like mo- most of the times, the government is a good thing, right? What are you on? I don't know what you're on about. I, just I'm just like, saying. Y- I'm just you... saying. Like, look, the control checks were there and they weren't used effectively, and that's why I'm just like, um, because you can't prevent so... everything, but as long as you can recognize the mistakes and admit that there was there was we made a mistake which that shouldn't have happened there's no point crying over the spilled milk it took a while it took a long time though and (laughs) there's been massive impact in in that particular case yeah Uh, i'm not trying to say that they are okay that they're that they're okay what they did but yeah well it is what it is we can only try and improve our methodologies and protocols based on the mistakes and not let that happen again yeah and it makes but it makes us aware like this is more for kind of a the government's uh strategy now for public relations with regards to uh, distributing the vaccine they know this has happened in the past so they need to be ready for that kind of information um and be ready with a good strategy um to you know help people trust the vaccine more yeah because they know what happens if, if people don't and trust the, vaccines. They are, like, especially with the delivery of the vaccines and keeping it at minus 80 or minus 70. I mean, they are, they are already products that are being distributed on the, on the countrywide scale that have to be temperature controlled, like blood, blood related products, products and, mm. and stuff like that, you know? So like the, I, the, the skill and the expertise it's there not necessarily not necessarily tailored for this specific task but you know you can you can you can dip in and you can borrow and you can see how it's being done how it how the temperatures are being controlled and 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 stuff like that so it's not like you're trying to do this completely blind without you know 
without ever have trying to do something similar to it like so hopefully it's not gonna be as you know bad or yeah hopefully this whole distribution is not gonna be bad hopefully they they have enough things to learn from and and plan it properly and now with the right people in the right places in the office um maybe that will be manageable yeah i'm sure the distribution will will be fine i just hopefully enough people can get it and hopefully that they get the the two they get the two vaccines that are necessary and that um, that'd be the end of it and that could be the end of it hopefully and we'll never be talking about covid on this podcast again (laughs) and i I can get a tattoo survived covid (laughs) yeah so i think that's a nice way to end the the news story so yeah thank you for uh, this evan yeah uh it was it's super exciting and i I, i'm eagerly waiting to see what um they publish and i'll hopefully try and go through that whenever that happens so and we should start uh trending hashtag save minks or kill (laughs) maybe maybe for you evan it's kill minks because you hate Uh, them but me and john are definitely save minks who which team are you on i'm save minks (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah so that was today's episode then um yeah so we talked about uh dmt uh, and using it in helping to solve psychological disorders uh, and I talked about a new HIV pro um, pro exposure prophylaxis, uh, mm. and then yeah, you talked about your t- the teeth, the teeth, uh, the dental regenerative therapies and replacement therapies, and you gave us a very smooth cover of what's going on with mm. the Pfizer vaccine. So I hope people, grateful. yeah, so, yeah, I hope people. Uh, if anyone has any questions about what we covered today, just yeah, get on contact with us on our Instagram and our yeah. Twitter at skeptically inclined and on twitter it's skeptically i and yeah you can email us as well it's skeptically inclined at gmail.com at skeptically with a c um yeah, yeah so that was today's episode i hope you enjoyed it uh we hopefully we have some maybe big special guests we could potentially have on soon it's still in development um, yeah it's still in development but uh yeah until the next one uh Take it easy, enjoy your wherever you are. Yeah. And yeah, catch you on the next one. Stay skeptical. Bye. Bye.